Good evening. Tonight is Thursday night, December 3rd, 2020. It is such a great pleasure for me to be able to welcome you to this week's Mining the Riches of the Parsha for this Parsha, the Parsha of Vayishlach. And I am so grateful to every single one of you for joining, uh, for being together, creating this wonderful atmosphere to be able to study together. Tonight I'd like to do something a little bit different than what I usually do. A few times I have shared with you the insights of Aviva Zornberg and I would like to do so again tonight. Dr. Aviva Zornberg is an incredible teacher and writer living in Yerushalayim in Jerusalem. She weaves together the widest possible array of Jewish sources in a unique literary manner that provides superlative insights to the narrative she is analyzing. Her writing is extraordinary and demanding. I struggle to understand her and the struggle is worth it. And I urge you, please read her work yourself. Don't rely on me. My favorite is her volume on Beratius Genesis, The Beginning of Desire. And I have taken a short section from that volume. I've worked very, very hard to try to understand it. And then I worked even harder to try to present a simplified version of it, a rearranged, restated version of what she writes using her words as much as possible. I hope, though I am not at all certain, that I will provide some pale version of what she intends to convey. I've had the pleasure of casually meeting Dr. Zornberg a couple of times over the years, and I will confess to a nightmare that she may one day hear me speaking about her work and tell me I missed the point entirely. But tonight, I want to try to give you a taste of her lyric, unique, dazzling voice. There's a curious and telling feature of Yaakov's life, and that is that the central events in his life happen at night. In last week's Parsha, Yaakov leaves home and dreams at night of a ladder connecting earth and heaven. In this week's Parsha, on returning home after many years away, Yaakov wrestles at night with a stranger, perhaps an angel. And in addition, one of the greatest contributions that we have from Yaakov, Yaakov in, in, establishes a prayer 
for all time, for us, every day, every night. Avraham establishes the prayer of Shachris, the morning prayer. Yitzchak establishes the afternoon prayer of Mincha. Yaakov establishes Mariv, nighttime prayer. So, what is it that Yaakov is teaching us about night? And what tool is Yaakov giving us with Mariv, the nighttime prayer? And by the way, this tool, this gift of Mariv, the nighttime prayer, was not even Yaakov's intention. In last week's Parsha, the beginning of last week's Parsha, it begins, Vayetze Yaakov mi Beersheba, Vayelech Charana. Yaakov leaves his home in Beersheba and he travels to Charan, back to his mother's family's home. Vayifgabamakom, and he comes upon the place, Vayolensham, and he spends the night there, Kivahashemesh, because the sun has set. Very interesting. Rashi picks up on this phrase, Kivah Hashemesh. Rashi says, that's not what you would expect the Torah to say. You would expect the Torah to say, the sun set and Yaakov spent the night there. The sun set and therefore it's dark, so he spends the night in this place. Rashi points out the unusual wording means to imply that the sun set suddenly. Yaakov was not planning to spend the night there. All of a sudden, it became dark. It became night. And therefore, Yaakov was forced to sleep in that place. In other words, the Torah is telling us Yaakov should sleep specifically in that place. Our rabbis in the Medrash say, God said, this righteous man has come to my lodging house. Shall he get off without sleeping the night here? It is here Yaakov initiated Mariv, the evening prayer. In encountering the darkness, he was the first person to achieve the previously impossible act of praying in the dark according to Sfas Emes, the great Hasidic writer. Yaakov prays to God and finds that he has invented a new genre of prayer, for night has fallen. He intended to pray in daylight, in the mode of all human prayer till then, drawing strength from the light of the sun. But God put out the lights, and Yaakov discovers a new possibility, almost an impossibility, an oxymoron, as the Svasemis conceives it, called the evening prayer, Mariv, praying at night. And that is what we will try to understand together now. So first, let's remember the context of this night of Yaakov's dream and Yaakov's prayer. From the beginning of last week's Parsha, Yaakov is leaving home. He is going into exile. And as he leaves, 
Kivahashemesh, the sun sets. When he returns, many years later, in our parsha, after wrestling with a stranger through the night, the Torah says, Vayizrach lo Hashemesh, the sun rose for him. That entire period of many years in between those two nights is in fact one long, dark exile. In leaving home, Zornberg writes, Yaakov goes out into exile. This is an exile not only from his geographical home, but in some radical sense, an exile from himself. And the most significant event in the last week's Parsha, which we discussed last week, is Yaakov's marriage during one dark night. Obviously, a little light on the wedding night would have made Lavan's deception impossible. We pointed that out last week. What happens during the night is irreparable. All the recognition of the morning cannot alter the reality of what has been transacted between Yaakov and Leah. Remember the verse we quoted last week. When morning came, there was Leah. But during the night, she was not Leah. Now last week, if you remember, I shared with you one approach to understanding that narrative of how it was Rachel at night, but in the morning it was Leah. But listen to how Zornberg approaches this in a completely different manner. She writes, In some real sense, Leah becomes Rachel during the night. That is the very nature of the night, of the, word of, of the world of exile. Identities meld into one another. Faces and forms swirl in the dark, meeting and splitting off, beckoning and mocking. That's what happens at night, in Gullus, in exile. And this is true on a national level, and it's also true on an individual level. Every one of us goes through periods of darkness, of exile, of loneliness. And exile does not refer only to physical persecution. Yes, it does refer to that. Remember that Yaakov leaves home because his brother Esau threatened to kill him. But exile and darkness is also confusion, lack of vision, lack of direction, a loss of confidence. Here, at night in exile, nothing is clear. All is shifting, phantasm, illusion. And where does this take place, this first dream of Yaakov of the latter. Where is that place? Well, the Torah does not tell us. The Torah says, God, Yaakov encountered the place. Which place? 
Our rabbis tell us in the Medrash, Ra'ah makom mikdash b'churbano. Yaakov was at the place where the temple, the Beit HaMikdash, would be built and destroyed. In other words, he saw the destruction of the temple, which leads to exile, mirroring his own exit into exile. He saw the place of the Beit HaMikdash, the holy temple in Jerusalem, in its destroyed state, as it is throughout exile, as it is still today. But at the same time, after his dream of the latter, as his exile begins, God spoke to him. God says to him, Behold, Yaakov, I am with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. And I will return you to this land. Because I will not forsake you. Ad asher im asisi, until I, God, fulfill, eis asher dibarti lach, that which I am promising you, to bring you back, to guard you, and to protect you. Now this verse is the first instance of a phenomenon that is known by its later expression, imo anochi batsara. God says to us, I am with you, in your distress. When we suffer, God is with us. And God is also, so to speak, suffering along with us, present with us in exile at night. The same phenomenon occurs later in Yaakov's life. In Parsha's Vayigash, when Yaakov finally learns that his son Yosef, who he thought had been killed, but he learns that his son Yosef is still alive, and Yosef invites his father to join him with his family in Egypt in order to survive the rest of the famine. And Yaakov goes down to Egypt for what we know will be a long, bitter, dark persecuted exile in Egypt. And listen to God's words at that moment. And God spoke to Israel, the new name of Yaakov, in a vision at night. Notice that these words also occur at night as another exile is beginning. Vayomer, and God says, Yaakov, Yaakov. He calls, Yaakov, Yaakov. Vayomer, and Yaakov answers, Hineni, here I am. Vayomer, and God says, Anochi hakel elokei avicha. I am the merciful God, the God of your father. Altira meradah mitraima. Don't be afraid of going down to Egypt. 
Because I will make you a great nation there. Anochi Ered Imcha Mitzrayma. I will go down with you to Mitzrayim, to Egypt. Va'anochi Alcha Gam Alo. And I will surely bring you back. This is a new note struck in the history of God's speeches to man. Anochi Imach. I am with you. This suggests an energy that will accompany Yaakov constantly through all the vicissitudes of exile. There is a quality of life promised here, a buoyancy Yaakov will experience as he walks through the darkened world. The promise to be with Yaakov reveals a new sense of God involved in the steps of the journey. Our rabbis in the Medrash comment, this teaches that when Israel went down to Egypt, the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, went down with them. And when they came up from Egypt, the Shekhinah, God's Presence, came up with them. The Midrash reads the words, with you, as more than a promise of eventual return to the Holy Land or redemption from Egypt. God will accompany Israel in all its troubles. The promise to be with you translates as a mitigation of loneliness for the human being moved downwards and upwards Pray to the contingencies and mutability of destiny. Pulled downwards by the forces of gravity, he will find in himself a strange buoyancy, a dimension that is not entirely his own. Darkness, too, is a way of knowing God. The theme of Yaakov's life is the turbulence of the night contains an internal structure because God is with him. This is the treasury of the night, the power of God with him in the phantasmagoria of the dark. The significance of nighttime for Yaakov is that he saw exile and persecution and destruction and loneliness. And he heard from God how he would survive it. Anochi imcha, I will be with you. Let me add something to make this more clear. Our sages tell us, we've discussed this before, Avos, Tiken, Gimel, Tfilos. The three prayers that we pray every day were established by our patriarchs, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. When our sages say that, they do not mean that the words of the prayers were written by those three patriarchs. In fact, in our prayers, the Amidah, the Shemona Esrei, the main prayer of our prayers, 
morning, afternoon, and evening is virtually the same for all three prayers. There's almost no difference in the words that we say three times a day, but there is a tremendous difference in the mood, in the emotion that is expressed, in the point of view that is being proffered. Because each one of the patriarchs had a unique relationship with God. I've shared this with you before. At the beginning of the Amidah, we refer to Elokei Avraham, the God of Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, the God of Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, the God of Yaakov. And we ask the question, why don't you just use the word God of once? Elokei Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. We're, we're speaking to God, who is the God of Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov. Why repeat the word the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzchak, the God of Yaakov? Because there's only one God. But every patriarch, every one of us, has our own individual relationship with God. Our own individual experience of God. We perceive God differently. We relate to God differently. Avraham established Shachris in the morning. Avraham's relationship with God was a relationship in the morning with confidence, with optimism, with hope, with gratitude. And that's the mood of the prayer as the sun comes up and it's now light again. Avraham established a prayer that has the point of view of this mood of confidence and optimism. Yitzchak established the prayer of Mincha late in the day as the sun is setting, as it's getting dark. It's a time of danger. It's a time when we are becoming more vulnerable. It's a time that's filled with worry. It's a time where we feel the desperation at the setting of the sun and the approach of night. And that was Yitzchak's experience of God and his relationship to God and what he expressed, the mood of what he expressed in his prayer. Yaakov establishes Mariv, the nighttime prayer. And nighttime has a dual nature. There is a paradox in the night. Because at night there is destruction, exile, fear, confusion, loneliness. And as the night wears on, hope for the dawn. Because God is with us. The phrase, Tefilas Mariv, nighttime prayer, is in itself an oxymoron because night implies that we are alone and vulnerable and distant from God. Prayer implies that we are connected, that we have a relationship. The, the two words contradict each, else, contradict each other. And Yaakov teaches us that both are true. And we see this characteristic of Yaakov also expressed at the very end of this week's Torah portion.
at the very end of the Parsha, Yaakov's wife, Rachel, dies in childbirth. Vateled Rachel. Rachel was giving birth. Vatkash Belidita. And she had difficulty, complications in her labor. And it was just before her soul left her, just before she passed away. Kimesa, because she did pass away. She died in the process of giving birth. But she had given birth. Vatikra Shemo Ben Oni. And she called the name of her baby that she would never live to see again. Ben Oni, the son of my sorrow. Va'aviv Karolo Bin Yamin. But his father, Yaakov, called the boy, the baby, Bin Yamin, the son of my strength. Now, Rashi understands that there was a dispute between the two of them. Rachel gave the baby one name. Yaakov gave the baby a different name. Rachel gave the name that expressed the anguish of a dying mother. Yaakov gave a different name that expressed the virile triumph of the father. There was a dispute between the two. But the Ramban, Nachmanides, has a very different reading. He says that Yaakov does not rename the child. It seems from the Pasuk, from the verse, that he had his name given twice. The Ramban says, no, that's not what happened. Yaakov doesn't rename the baby. Rather, he translates the original name to mean the word Ben-Oni to mean goodness and strength. The Ramban writes, Yaakov translated Rachel's language into goodness. (coughs) The word Oni in Hebrew means two separate things. It means pain and it means strength. It was the very nature of holiness to translate pain into strength, even to intuit the strength within the pain, the coherence within the chaos. Yaakov was in a dark trauma at the passing of his beloved wife. And, not but, and he could sense the strength that comes from God being there with him. And that is the holiness and the strength of Mariv, prayer at night, which Yaakov establishes for us. That's Yaakov's legacy. To perceive that God is with us in darkness, to feel the energy, 
the buoyancy, the electric charge that gives us and ultimately the mitigation of our loneliness. But notice, please, it doesn't remove the darkness. It doesn't remove destruction or exile or loneliness. It gives us the strength to survive it. And not just survive, but to flourish. To come out of that experience, to emerge from that darkness of exile and destruction. And again, I mean this both on a national level and also on a personal, individual level that every single one of us goes through. To emerge from that darkness with even greater strength. To find coherence within chaos. And the key is to remember God's words to Yaakov at night. Behold, Yaakov, I will be with you. I will not leave you. It's not easy to do. But we have done it many times in our history. And we will do it now in our present darkness. And our capacity to do so, to be able to go through darkness and sense the strength that comes from God being with us, our capacity to do so comes from Yaakov, who discerned the ability to pray at night. My friends, I want to wish you a beautiful night, a safe and guarded night, and a fantastic Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.